Welcome back to another episode of the USL show where we have everything to talk about because we actually had real matches that matter, even though some teams do not think so. Um, lots of big wins, lots of big losses, lots of shocking results along the way. And of course, a lot of I told you so's going to be happening from both the YouTube chat and ourselves. But, you know, before you hear me talk too much, because a few of you guys heard me talk for about 30 minutes yesterday, let's hear somebody else speak for once. Phil, how you doing, man? Doing okay. Um, you know, a little bit of a setback in, in the opening weekend for for my boys, uh, but uh, some some bright spots. So I'm trying to focus, you know, trying to be positive. And it was an, a very entertaining opening weekend of, of usl i think it it delivered on what we were hoping for so looking forward to chatting it with you guys alan how you doing my man uh i am better now i think uh the loyal flip the script usually they end up giving up a goal at the end of the match to to lose points uh this one was a highly entertaining match uh and i'm alive I'm alive i'm great uh it was a like crazy opening weekend uh i am glad to be back in a packed house with lots of energy and uh i mean what a crazy weekend right it it was pretty nuts i mean again there's so much to talk about there's so many storylines already that we can start pulling some threads on uh ryan how you doing my man Pretty good. It was another crazy weekend, like you were mentioning. I mean, we had eight shutouts, four red cards across the weekend, but visiting teams just won one game, and there was just a single draw across that entire weekend, which proves for like just a really like just bonkers start to the start of the season. I mean, that one draw coming from my boys in black and gold, which in of itself, if you had a chance to watch that match, was uh pretty nuts um I, i'm just going to get it out of the way i think if tampa bay doesn't have their starting center back uh get hurt in the first 15 it's hard to see legion winning that match um but the, on that same thread who knows what would have happened if the rowdies would have simply brought another center back with them because apparently they said three center backs is enough we're going to start them all and not put any more in the 18. It was quite a, uh, it was quite the decision, but a, a draw against the Rowdies is never, never a bad thing. You, you mean you're, you're the boys in red, right? Like, <laughs> well, look, we have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of beefs. My biggest beef is that we have not been wearing black and gold as much. We are black and gold, and I really hate the fact that we wear red as much as we do. It's a nice little tribute to the Hammers, which is the predecessor to the Legion. It's a nice little tribute, but in the end, it should be a tribute, not, you know, <laughs> the current team. But that's a beef that I have every other weekend on Twitter, so... Uh, <laughs> you can hear about it much more every other weekend. Yeah, I think one of the big surprises to me, I, I was talking to Ryan a little bit before the show started. Uh, I only saw the first half of the Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh Memphis match. Uh, I was not that impressed with Pittsburgh. Um, I thought that it was kind of fine. 
but it wasn't like I was expecting them to be a little bit more uh, defensively dominant, maybe a little bit sharper. Uh, and maybe it's just because I haven't watched Pittsburgh in a minute, like being in the West Coast. Uh, Pittsburgh isn't a t- like it's a team that you're like, OK, they're probably going to win most games. So maybe not the most interesting games to watch all the time. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more from Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they they go up a man and that really kind of changes the, the flow of that match. Um, you know, a second yellow, essentially, which we saw a lot of red this weekend. But um, maybe just a little bit slow out of the gate for Pittsburgh. But uh, I think you guys were talking about having to come out fast, but we've seen this with like in the likes of Louisville over the past couple seasons where they come out slow. Maybe it's not as impressive. And then by the end of the season, they're, they're winning their division and conference again. You're like, wait, what happened? They weren't good at the beginning and now they're fine. So I think they're going to figure it out. It was just kind of impressive. It was kind of a stark game to watch to see like, it wasn't what I was thinking it was going to be. And I thought Memphis had a chance to really do something there. Um, yeah, and I mean, after the red card, Memphis had more shots than Pittsburgh and the game. And despite Pittsburgh f- finally breaking through and getting their three goals in the second half, it was still not enough that Memphis outshot them in the entire match, even on shots and target as well. So I think had they not gotten the red card, it might have changed the game a bit. It's hard to go as the dogs are going crazy in the background. Um, it is very, very difficult to go down a man against Russell Cicerone and Dane Kelly. I, it doesn't matter who you are, how good your team is. I don't. I think that will go for anybody. If you, <laughs> uh, if you go down a man to Dane Kelly and Russell Cicerone, and a going against the Bob Bully defense, you're going to have a horrible time. But. Before we uh, get too deep into breaking down all the matches, we're going to do a little fun little section where we're going to talk about some really major shockers uh, from the weekend and our biggest I told you so's. Um, we're just going to go around the horn and uh, and just talk about everything uh, that was the shock and uh, the, yeah, you should have seen this coming because I sure did. We're going to start off with Ryan. I guess I'll start with my biggest, uh, you should have seen it coming, was that Phoenix out of the gate, four goals in the first half. They look just as strong as they typically do. They are playing up against a brand new team in the league that had probably some growing pains over the offseason to try and build that side. But Phoenix looked just as strong as they always do. And it's just something that you should expect going forward. I mean, in they're going to be another favorite in the Western Conference. And then I guess the one that thing that I wasn't too convinced by was, I know there are some growing pains and Phil is going to give me a little, well, isn't going to be too pleased, but I wasn't convinced by Indy 11 this week. And I didn't think they looked all that strong. And it'll take some time for that side to gel, but I really wasn't convinced by the team. You won't offend me by that. That was actually, that was going to, I was going to talk about shocks um, just in, in terms of how bad Indy looked like Loudon. Got I, think, shot. I think I think shock maybe up there with shocks is Loudon. Loudon and I think John called this like it, and so I'll, I'll call that out on his behalf. Is that Loudon is actually going to be pretty good? Like they're they're actually he said they're going to be a playoff team, and they looked every bit a playoff team. Um, 
I did not expect a Lowry side to come out and get out possessed that heavily and outshot um, by by an MLS two side like that was I I genuinely like didn't really know what I was watching. It was that was a very very shocking uh, result. So yeah, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead to the shocks of the weekend, but that was a big one. Well, there's also like 22 wind chill outside that I'm sure the weather wasn't not to make excuses for anyone there. I think Indy should have played a little bit better, but I'm sure the weather had a small factor in it not being pleasant. I think Indy trained indoors, so I don't know. Maybe they got soft. They haven't been the same since they left Lucas Oil. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Bring back the football lines. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in with my biggest shocks and my biggest I told you so's because my biggest I told you so piggybacks off that because I said it very early that – Granted, this is so early. This is so early to say this. But I said from the very beginning that this indie squad is not good. They have a few players and they have the coach. But as a squad, they're not there. Did I expect them to lose to Loudon? No. But I thought Will Will Lowry, that's a a music artist I listen to. Mike Lowry, I thought he was single-handedly going to him and Neville Hackshaw were going to single-handedly will them to like ninth or eighth. But if you told me they were finishing lower than that, I would not be shocked because that squad is not good. Um, uh, The biggest loss, and I understand the reasoning because Mike Lowry does not do wingers, but let me tell you the biggest loss for them last year, the biggest losing piece is a guy that's now with the loyal and that's Nick Moon. He was on my short list of one of the best free agents around in the USL last year. And I know that Mike Lowry does not do the whole winger and like wide play thing, but Jesus Christ, you got to fit him in that lineup somewhere. Cause he, he puts them up a full position in my mind, but my biggest shock of the weekend had to have been Rio Grande. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not terribly high on Oakland. But considering the fact that Rio Grande's like team has only been together for like two weeks, for them <laughs> sure. to win, let alone like I was in, I would have been shocked by a draw, let alone a win. So those are my <laughs> that's my biggest shock of the weekend. And Rio Grande held Oakland to just two shots in the entire game. It was a defensive masterclass on their part. The only thing I will say as as the fan of a team who suffers every single time they travel to RGV, I will say that going to RGV is it's Death Valley. Like that is a horrible place to go. Not not because it's like a particularly hostile environment. I know they have they have a pretty small but vocal group of supporters, but it's more so about the size of the pitch. It's huge. And I think a lot of teams just end up getting lost out there. Like they can't press, they can't close down like they normally do. And they genuinely like, I don't know what it is, but that place is an absolute black hole for points. Um, at least when, when like locomotive is concerned. And I think, I think other Western conference teams can say the same. So I would say Oakland losing an RGV. Like I definitely was, I, I was vocal on the last episode of the, about the fact that I was not high on what RGV did this, this uh, off season, but there's something about that place in in uh, Edinburgh that just sucks the life out of out of Western Conference teams that go there. And I, I think, what, oh, go ahead, Alan. I I think 
when we saw like conference play, when you're going down there frequently, I think it took a little bit of the mysticism away from it. But when you go down there once, like we've seen, like this is the old RGV uh, situation where you only get there once. So like the second time you're not prepared for it, like you don't have that second time to prep. And we've seen teams in the past go into RGV and you're like, oh, they're going to get a win. And then they end up like, it's a one, one draw. It's a nil, nil draw. Like, I think we're going to see that a little bit that that home field advantage for RGB pop back up from time to time this season, even if they're not. I mean, they weren't great before, but somehow they would pull off draws against top Western teams. Yeah. I mean, I a good was... locomotive side got beat there four one or something like that last season. Like, and they, I mean, locomotive was in like the top three teams in the regular season in the West. So yeah, that it it's, I think someone said where dreams go to die. I think that's, that's very true. So, oh, go ahead, Ryan. You've been trying and, to make this point for the last 17 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think since now we don't have Tacoma in the league and until we get USL to Hawaii, they are the most isolated team in uh, just comparative, like where they are relative to their common opponents in the league. I know San Antonio is close by and you still have El Paso within the same state, but they are very isolated amongst everyone else. I mean, and they had Miami visit. I they had Miami and Tampa Bay visit recently just for a trip, but it would be reminiscent of 2016 when they finished second in the Western Conference for them to have another good season this year. <laughs> so uh, go, moving on, uh, Alan, shocks and uh, told you so's. Um, I was going to say like Louisville versus Atlanta only being 1-0 is kind of a shocker. Like Atlanta almost escaping with – with a draw uh and then i watched like some of the highlights i was like oh no it was like atlanta literally by the skin of their teeth only let up one goal uh but like on paper that one looked like huh Uh, i thought the charleston tulsa one i think is the one that would surprise me the most uh as far as you know only one nil tulsa looked pretty good Charleston has a crazy good counterattack. So that was just, I think, a really good matchup. But it was surprising that maybe it was as low scoring as it was for those two teams. Um, and then I told you so. Um, I'm going to call out Andy, who said click save over Colorado Springs beating Orange County. I think on Orange and Black, I called it a draw and then forgot that I put Colorado Springs for win on our prediction thing. So I was not consistent. Uh, but <laughs> but I do think, I think, you know, based on where those two teams are right now, uh, Orange County is learning how to play without, you know, Damas, who uh, is reported to be heading uh, to a different country. Um, I, I think that one was kind of a not really necessarily. I told you so, but Andy said click save like he was going to come and talk trash when we won or when uh, Orange County won, but they didn't. So I'm going to say told you so. I will let me. I will want to say this, and this is a weird point, kind of been the same vein as Rio Grande. Atlanta United too has quickly become kind of the bogey team for for Loose City. Last year, I mean, it's never like they actually end up beating them in that sense. Like they never end up really just dominating them or losing, or they Loose City ends up losing. But Atlanta always seems to give Loose City some kind of game. They always seem to show up for them, which I do want to say. If you're looking at two teams, Atlanta United 2's team, like they have three of the some of the best players on there. Um, 
I'd like uh, Mikey Ambrose is a really solid, um, really solid center back. Um, what's his name? Jackson Conaway just got a just got a call up to the MLS side and just scored a goal in the MLS. And the big one to me is Aiden McFadden, which I said this yesterday on the solo show, is that Aiden McFadden, if he was on any other team last year, he he would have been an MVP talks. He might be the only person to play right back, center back, attacking midfield and striker and be proficient in all of them. He was their leading scorer and he is a right back by trade. I just I think that a guy like Aiden McFadden will catch up to some teams because everybody thinks they're going to be bad and then A McFadden exists. Um but yeah, they uh I will say though, Tulsa I was a little shocked by how well Tulsa played, but I can't tell if that was because the battery were worse than I thought they'd be, or if Tulsa's just better than I thought they'd be. It's kind of a, I guess we'll have a few weeks to find out, and Legion might be on the beneficiary of that this week. <laughs> I, I think something to remi- remember about the two teams is like, yeah, they usually don't perform as well, but this is still like potential MLS talent. They're just inconsistent. Like there are games where if the entire team puts it together, it's like a mini MLS club. Um, maybe not historically with Atlanta too, but we're talking about Loudon. Like we're talking about Los Dos out in the West. Like these are like pretty like there's talent on the pitch. It's just inconsistent. Sometimes it's terrible, and sometimes they're like with Andy said, they're scoring bangers from 25 yards out. Like there's talent on these teams. It's just easy to overlook because they're so inconsistent. And then a good consistent USL club independent side is probably on most days going to do better than the two sides in the long run. Well, don't forget about two sides. Like Ryan told us uh, not too long ago, there was that one time that the Monarchs were better than we all saw, like according to, to 538. So, I mean, that's just unequivocal fact, right? I mean, to be fair, like at that time, it may have been true. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm dead serious. Rail Salt Lake were about they were horrible when 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 Monarchs won USL Cup. And the following season, Real Salt Lake called up basically that entire team and made it very close, if if I recall, to making the playoffs in that next season in MLS. Yeah. But speaking of teams that I thought that I, the discussion was had out online, but we'd be remiss not to mention it was Detroit's debut in San Antonio against the league, just a one-nil loss, but Detroit didn't look horrible i uh i wanted to comment on this only because i think like the point we made on the last show was uh was basically like we're gonna learn something in these first few games for detroit city about the relative level of nisa and usl and i think what we saw was a core group of players from dcfc that have been together in nisa can play an effective usl level counter-attacking style like and it can work like now did it work in the sense that like did they get the result no san antonio like i think they exerted or asserted their their quality over the course of 90 minutes but detroit city created chances they defended quite well like throughout most of the game kind of really limited a lot of good san antonio looks so yeah for me it was i i think we got at least a glimpse of detroit it can be effective as a unit like are is their relative quality player by player as good as like the average usl team like perhaps not but they're extremely well drilled 
And you could see in like their counterattacks how well those patterns just consistently like they knew exactly where the run was being made. They knew exactly where the the out ball was. And like all of those things were happening at really, really high levels. And Nate Steinwasher is a quite good keeper, as Mika pointed out, which which ended up uh, which ended up mattering a huge amount. But I will say that I don't think Detroit's having now seen, you know, gotten a game under our belts of Detroit City and Monterey Bay. I know the like levels of the opposition matter, but Monterey Bay like imploded in the first half and we did not see that sort of like mistake, like the mistake filled sort of game from Detroit. So I think Detroit can I'm not saying they're going to be like, you know, top of the league or anything like that, but they're I think they're going to be like a tough out um, for a lot of teams this year. I said this last time and I said it last night as well that with teams like Detroit City who have had success at every level, in my opinion, you back them until they don't give until they prove to you that they can't do it. It it honestly, they just feel like one of those teams. And I think we're gonna a little bit of spoiling a prediction almost. You're going against a team in the battery, but it's gonna be their first ever match in the USL. Their supporters feel like they're gonna have something to prove. That's a team who just went down to San Antonio who put up a good showing, a really good showing that on another day maybe could have got a draw out of. And now their fans, they're going to be back in their home fans who are going to be louder than ever. I think that I think the battery may be going into a bit of a buzzsaw just based off a team who's going to be having all the adrenaline in the world. Um, and like like I said, you kind of – Go with the team until they prove that you until they prove to you that they can't do it, and Detroit City has only proved that they can. Yeah, Detroit City is kind of like that that plucky lower ranked world, like a national team who they like all of their players play for like one or two clubs. So when they get on the national team, there's that cohesion, and they might not have the same talent level, but I mean, again, like with what Phil was talking about, like this cohesion, like sometimes it's not about make having the stars in the team it's about making the team function well together and have the parts that balance each other uh so you might not be as talented player to player but as a as a you know you have 11 guys to pitch like it's not like this isn't one-on-one we're not talking about tennis right we're just one person versus one person even doubles right uh so i can i can see detroit really taking advantage particularly early season of kind of that ability to play cohesive soccer and you know when you play cohesive soccer you have a chance of winning uh most weeks uh i would love to shout out which san antonio player played well but i couldn't read the numbers so i don't really know (laughs) i was gonna say three the three of my surprises of the weekend came out of that game one the blackout kits are as well this is more of an i told you so because i i was railing against them on twitter i guess but the blackout kits are horrible i have no idea how the league like allowed that to happen it it's like truly shocking um the other surprise out of san antonio was um antoine hopino's uh haircut the mullet the mullet was in full swing and he was constantly like stroking it which made me kind of uncomfortable watching Uh, i'm not gonna lie like even though i was quite far away and then um and then the third was the announcers like i don't know who else watched that game but uh 
and apologies to any San Antonio fans. They were not commenting on what was happening during the match. Like I can, I can, you know, if you're biased, if you're like, if you whatever, misanalyze a certain play, whatever, like you can forgive all those things. It's happening live. It's, it's a, it's an imperfect art form. Um, but to not be talking about like your, the home side's been awarded a penalty kick. They just kept on talking about whatever conversation they were having. Like as probably the handball they, incident is occurring, <laughs> like probably because they didn't to... know who was going to take the penalty. They probably had no clue. They were like, they don't. They probably just didn't want to be like, here comes San Antonio. I mean, listen, the thing with the blackout kits, I, on one hand, it's awful. It's awful for the TV. That said, I bet the numbers and all that kind of stuff, like the blackout numbers. As a fan, I would love wearing that. I bet it would look incredible in person as a fan wearing it. But it's it that should be one of those options that um, the fans should get the blackout option and the players get a nice pretty white. <laughs> I think we've seen like big clubs do this sort of thing with the blackout, and it's a novelty. Like it's a it's like a charity thing, or it's a like they do it as as it's only on sale in the team shop. It obviously would never be used in a game because that would be ridiculous. Like, and and the fact that yeah, I mean the fact that the league allowed that. Um, I don't know. If I was Toyota, I'd be like, I'm not paying for you guys for this. Like, <laughs> you can't see Toyota across the front of the jersey. Like, why'd we give you the money? <laughs> Yeah, this yeah. is like the West Ham, you can buy kits without the sponsor on it kind of deal, like only for the fans. And yeah. it's like the special product. Because, yeah, you're doesn't right. It, doesn't have I, I, Ajax have that too with the uh, with the three little birds on the back? Don't they have like the fans get that because UEFA is stupid? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's funny. Uh, Phil, I don't. Did we ever actually get your full biggest shocks and uh, I guess I told you so's, or were they all just kind of interspersed along the way? Yeah, I guess I kind of threw them in along the way. And I mean, results wise, uh, you guys mentioned a lot of the the bigger shocks or or like outcomes wise. I think it's worth it's it's always worth chatting in USL about the biggest the shocking decision of the weekend. Um, the the second yellow card in the Tulsa match. Uh, yeah. for DeCasa was the shock like uh, what just an awful awful decision like he pulls out of the challenge completely doesn't do it, no high boot no nothing like no contact at all and just gets a second yellow like for the sake of it that was anyway so my USL pr- whatever my pro referees you know shock decision of the weekend was <laughs> that second yellow let me tell you though sometimes this week, these refs came out and said, we are having nothing. If you're playing, it's awful. I'm pretty sure in Legion versus Tampa, there were eight yellow cards, if I counted correctly. Um, some of them deserve. Some of them, I think the ref had handed out some cards, and they were like, oh, crap. I gave a guy a card. I better give this guy a card. I don't know if it was as bad, but it happened, so I better do it. It. I mean, what was it four? You said it earlier, Ryan, but four red cards. And I think at least two of them were double reds. I mean, or double yellows. I Is this really just players not being in full competitive match fitness? Or is this like pro refs are on one? <laughs> I mean, a close second was the was the LA 
the Los Dos red card, in my opinion. I thought that was a shocking decision. Like, it's a yellow, potentially, but the idea that that was a straight red was... was A scissor, yeah. tacker, it's a scissor tackle from behind? He does... It, <laughs> Alan, I know, I know that you're, I know that you're close to this decision. Uh, Nick Moon. I know you're close to this decision. The contact is not that bad. Like watching it back, it was, you know, even in real time, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a yellow. Like he's late. He's not really like, he's, he's trying to play the ball pretty clearly. You know, I I thought it was like, sure. It's a yellow. When he brought the red out, I was like, "Mm, not for me. I I think he saw that. I think he saw some force maybe that wasn't there. Like, I don't usually like to critique ref. I'm trying not to critique referees because I mean it's USL. We're gonna get USL referees. They're at that level for a reason. They're working their way up. Like their position, his positioning was really weird. Like he missed some fouls just because he was being blocked or didn't see it. Um, it was there were some weird things where guys who should have gotten cards didn't get cards. And then yeah, for that red card, I thought it was a pretty rough tackle. Uh, full speed from behind. Up, like a scissor leg kick sweeping out like it was a it was a pretty brutal tackle uh i was also mad because it was nick moon like how dare you do this to our brand new player that everyone loves because he's better than what we had before uh so there was a little bit of that too like i think and i think it was just kind of like the game i think was kind of getting away from him a little bit like it was getting chippier and chippier as los dos games seem to get uh there's a history there with san diego between los dos and san diego uh, so yeah, if you gave him a yellow, I think I would have been all right. I was all right with a red, but again, that's my homerism speaking. And I think it was that second leg that came in and closed it off. That I think is what he saw. I will say this weekend, there were multiple, I'm looking at the yellow card stats right now. Half the league had at least three yellow cards in the game. There was one team this entire weekend who didn't receive a single yellow card. And that was the Bob Lilly coach, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, who just <laughs> knows defensive discipline so well within that side but i think it yeah Kayla, i think it's a combination of it's first sweet jitters everyone's trying to get into just the swing of things but it's also uh this is kind of the standard of refereeing within uh within this league and alan like you said i think it's difficult to really critique it because i also recognize being a referee especially at this level is a very difficult thing to do it's something i wouldn't want to do and i give them at least a little bit of credit for doing the best they can. I think the, uh, it's, it's a little bit of whiplash coming from, you know, like the whole off season, you're, if you're watching other soccer and there's just VAR is just like part of it. And I'm not saying it's been great because obviously there's controversy there too, but the idea that like these officials are making a decision and that's it. It's very, it's very kind of like jarring to go back to that. It feels very old school. So, um, so yeah, I definitely sympathize with the officials in these cases. I think the I think the LA one stuck out to me only because it does happen close to the sideline, and I think his assistant like needs to help him out there. Um, but and same with the DaCosta sending off. Like I think I think the assistant is actually the one who needs to be vocal about the fact that hey, there's not actually contact. Like this is not a red. Um, but I think a lot of these referees, as you mentioned, Alan, like they they get this feel at certain points and referees like they want to reassert themselves like as having control and rather than managing it kind of throughout the game they let things go and then it gets too far and so they feel like they have to start like over punishing and it turns into these like red card situations where maybe if they had been booking players like along the way then it's then it's maybe not as bad 
Right, because I think they want to let teams play, but it's like they're just not, they don't have quite the experience yet of when to push and when to pull, I think. Like you talk about the like the referees that people really like. I think they learn how to navigate the ebbs and flows in the match. And some of the younger officials just don't have that experience yet of knowing when to draw a line. It's like it's like teaching, like classroom management. Like it's really hard at the beginning to know when to push and when to pull back and when to assert and when to not. And it's like, and sometimes you just get stuck where you're like, well, poop. I have to I have to give a red here. Otherwise, this is getting way out of hand. I know I screwed it up. I I waited too far, but it's like, yeah, there's a couple of those. Or like on this one guy, this one guy, like one, two, three on this one player, no more on this one player. I'm like, well, when I go into a tackle, I don't see him from behind. I don't know if he's number 37 or 27. They all look young and same to me. But, you know, uh, and yeah, they can appeal red cards. You can appeal double yellows. Uh, It's in it's in there like the, the thing that's crap about crappy about straight reds is like the punishment is st- stiffer than a double yellow. Uh, so you might see someone, uh, you know, I think the one that you talked about, Phil, I think maybe they appeal that one. It's early in the season, but it's early in the season. Maybe just kind of let it go. Like some of the teams just choose not to, if they have depth, uh, but you can, you can appeal reds and you can appeal double yellows. So obviously lots to a lot that happened this week. But, I mean, I think just in general, I mean, there are a few talking points, but I think a lot happened that most of us kind of thought would happen. Um, I said this the other night or last night that I was really low on Orange County coming into the year. And after watching the Colorado Springs, it confirmed that I think the cup run magic is kind of gone. But they also looked a lot better than I thought they would. So that just earlier today and even last night, I was really starting to get high on Orange County. And then we get this news that there could be a Swedish team and on a and on a nice little star player. If any of you guys want to jump in with the details on that one, because that could completely derail that season. I mean this was kind of the news Orange County knew going into the season, right? Like Damas is not long for this team, right? So you kind of, I think the team went into the season with the expectation that he's probably gone at summer. Like that was kind of the overwhelming kind of vibe from fans around the league. Uh, he's going to Sweden's, it's GIF Sunsvall, but I really want to just say GIF Sunsvall. Like, you mean like, GIF? GIF. <laughs> uh, GIF. Uh, and I will stand by it. Uh, Legals are doors. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it says the deal includes a six-figure transfer fee uh, as well as incentives and a sell-on fee. Like The thing with like Orange County, yeah, in the short term, they might have a tough time reimagining what their offense looks like without Thomas up top because, I mean, let's be real, like he's magical and sometimes you just like – it's like uh, what John talks about Oakland. Like you just kick it long to him and let him do his magic, right? Um, but you know, six figures goes a long way in the USL. So it, it's trying to find guys who can play similarly to him. Uh, I know Alaski had a goal. Um, I know he's all, yeah. And he's like, he's stuck in Haiti, um, with some visa issues. So I'm sure that exacerbates his situation and speeds up that transfer. Um, Orange County is just going to have to learn how to play without him. And I think they knew that going in anyway. 
Um, yeah, someone asked if it was Lasso's team. Uh, apparently, John Fuller is telling us it is Lasso's team. It uh, is. So, just how crazy would that be? Is the defensive player in the year and the uh, playoff MVP are playing on the same team in Sweden? I mean, great for them. Like, like hats off to them. They've earned it. Uh, I, I think Orange. It it it's a, a blow in the short term for Orange County, but I think that they've tried to address it with. Uh, uh, Milan Olaski and bringing in uh, Kubo Torres, although Kubo Torres is not a Ronaldo Damas. But you're trying to replace goals with, with goals. Um, I think the downside is Orange County likes to defend and then break out. I'm not sure that those two guys are going to be able to give you the same thing that Damas did. Uh, and then we saw kind of with the, they played on a, you know, a knife's edge down the, you know, the, the 10 unbeaten and then into the playoff of some of those wins were penalty kicks there were a lot of one nils. And so if you get a team like Colorado who can put two by you, I'm not sure Orange County has the firepower right now figured out to get to get through that. But I mean, if anybody can, Richard Chapel can figure it out. He turned that team around uh, down the stretch. So maybe I mean in Orange County last year, you know, you you'd say, hey, they're like a three, four, five in the West. I think that's where they were last year. They just happened to um play well get some lucky matchups with Phoenix and El Paso being knocked out uh, to play some teams. Maybe they matched up a little bit better against and uh, took advantage of those opportunities and won. Uh, and, you know, that's what the playoffs is all about. Like playing the right soccer at the right time against the right opponents. Uh, and, you know, some, some magic along the way, Amico Caninga's free kick against Tampa Bay. That was beautiful. So they just got to figure out how to win without him. But they knew, I think they knew that going into the season. Are you saying are you saying it's Moneyball, Alan? With uh, we can't replace Ronaldo Damas, but we can replicate him in the aggregate. And then I think someone little... said Milan Olaski. I mean, I think there's a little bit of that with Orange County, but it's not like Orange County has like a small budget. They're, they signed Kubo Torres for crying out loud. Like it's probably not cheap. Uh, so they're not like the lowest payroll. I doubt they're the highest, but I would probably put them in the top third of payroll. Uh, and now with a six six figure uh, sell, like you can buy you can buy a pretty good striker for that amount. And USL League One is producing them like crazy these days, so you might be able to pick up a guy halfway through a season with a good chunk of change to USL League One. Or um, as Ryan put in our chat, six thousand sixty six hundred thousand hot dogs from Costco. Concessions for the year. Um, you know. I don't want to talk about money ball right now. I hate baseball at the moment. Sell the team, Bob. I hate I hate the Reds right now. God, I hate <laughs> them so much. You um, mean the Louisville bats in Major League Baseball? Yeah. I wish they were as good as the bats right now. Um I God that may uh anyway. Um this whole selling, and as soon as I heard the team name, I was pretty sure that it was Forrest Lasso's team. And I mentioned this during the offseason. And I want to come back to it because I think it further submits my point. If I'm the Rowdies, I'm furious. Um, the Rowdies let Lasso go. They could have re-signed him and sold him. Seeing that this team is willing to buy Domus for six figures, they have the kind of money for it. If I'm the Rowdies, this this kind of signing didn't come out of nowhere. Surely they've been in talks with this team for at least a little bit. Why they didn't re-sign him? 
why they didn't give him an extension on his contract. Heck, that's what Legion did with Lasso. Or not with Lasso. They didn't sign him. I wish they would have signed him at one point. With Junior, they literally just extended his option and said, all right, Toulouse, pay for him. If I am the Rowdies, I am furious, not only at them, but at ourselves. Because if you can get that money for Domus, granted he's a younger talent, I get it, strikers are sexy, but Forrest Lasso has a real, real claim to being to being one of the best, if not the best USL player of all time. And they got nothing for him. I am livid if I'm the Rowdies. I mean, I don't want to speculate, but especially at this level, if you're signing a lot of players to one-year deals, maybe he just didn't want to return to a deal that maybe it wasn't for a lack of trying, that maybe Lasso just said, I would rather see what other options are out there. That happens Fair all enough. the time in this level. Fair or, Lasso, or Lasso knows they have money to spend, so if he doesn't sign a contract with Tampa Bay, he goes, hey, all that money you would have spent on my transfer, how would you give it to this guy? <laughs> I mean, we see this with like the top end players. I think that was the, that was the question, right? Like, is Tampa Bay going to resign and sell? And why didn't they? And we, you know, the speculation was, well, maybe they didn't really want to buy him; they just wanted to sign him. But maybe, you know, Ryan's right. Maybe Lasso didn't want to sign. He's just, you know, hey, I'm going to get this money. Uh, Damas, on the other hand, maybe goes, hey, I'll spend half a year with Orange County. I'll go at the summertime. I'll resign with them. I'll keep fit, and then at the summertime then I'll, I'll go on that transfer. So I think it's like a slightly different situation for both players. But yeah, maybe Tampa Bay is mad and they're kicking themselves, but you know, we don't know the inner workings and maybe they, like, maybe they did do their due diligence and try to make them offer. And then Forrest Lassa goes six figures to you or six figures to me. I'm going to, you know, I'd rather have six figures to me, but. And I think, I think we, we are seeing more USL clubs do, multi-year deals like for this very reason um i think we've seen clubs like do it more frequently even i mean a couple of years ago a two-year deal was like a unicorn and now it's i mean it's very common for two three-year deals to especially for younger players like that's happening quite frequently so um i think it just like is a say you know it's a little bit of a signal that the the league is protecting their investments with these with these players that they think they can sell on or or may get a a return on investment for. So yeah, I mean credit to Orange County for for cashing in. Um, and yeah, I mean it's going to be a blow for sure, but um, I think it's a win win because it's a bunch of cash and Damas gets a, a shot at doing something in Europe. So we do have some other news that I do want to get out. Um, before we do end up moving on to predictions. Um, one, some pretty cool news. Um, there were two players from you, you, uh, the USL League One making the USL Championship Team of the Week this year. Um, I'm pretty sure that both were uh, Omaha, uh, Union Omaha, so that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, Hurst. He looked like everything we thought he'd be. Granted, that was Monterey Bay, and we don't know what they are yet. But Monterey Bay or not, that's still a championship club. And, you know, he came out all guns a-blazing, which was really, really cool. Um, The other one is the Super League has announced they are going to be on the global schedule, which many people have been uh, giving little, little nuggets on, saying maybe this is the tryout period for – 
the rest of the U.S. sell to move to the global period. You know, that's going to be interesting. Um, for you guys, any thoughts on either one of those? I think the winter break might be a bit optimistic in some locations. Aurora, uh, well, no, Aurora's in the W and W league, so maybe that's okay. I mean, if they can do it in Germany, we can figure it out here. It's cold yeah. in Germany. But you avoid the cold temperatures in the winter and the incredibly hot temperatures for some locations in the summer. And it, it helps with just kind of breaking up the schedule across each year. You can have two distinct periods of a spring and a fall. So I do think there is a worthy trial period for it. I mean, we've seen this within Liga MX that they have a spring and a fall season. A bunch of South American countries follow the same pattern as well. Nisa. I think, I think too, like the, I think being involved, we're talking about the Damas stuff and it's kind of awkward because he's like making this move, you know, sort of like after the season started already and all this stuff. But I mean, if we're lined up, um, you know, in the future with USL and, and in this case in the super league, if you're lined up, then these sort of like weird transfer periods or like not being able to sign a player. Cause we actually um, we had talked to a player who plays for locomotive now who had been playing in Spain and he was like, I wanted to play in the US like I thought it would be cool, but I was always under contract when the when the US was trying to sign players. So like I couldn't go there because I would I'd be taking a gamble on like not renewing a contract. Um, so anyways, I think it opens up some interesting opportunities to to sign players from from other leagues. Um but also, yeah, I think I think the whole weather thing is sort of overblown and I think there's ways around it um, because, yeah, I mean, you know, for every snowy kickoff in Minnesota, there's going to there's a hundred degree kickoff in El Paso or Phoenix. So, like, it's, you know, there there's ways that we can, um, yeah, get around some of the weather concerns, I think. There are things called road games. So teams up north don't have to play all their games at home when it might be cold. Uh, although weather is, uh, from what I've heard, terribly uh, challenging to predict in the long term. Uh, I think this is what you hear from some of the NWSL players. Like uh, I think Meg Linehan did a uh, a podcast with a couple of the NWSL players. This was their point. Like NWSL is losing players to other leagues because they can't get released during the summer when the when the you know the teams are playing their their national games. Uh, and then because the calendars don't quite line up, it's really hard to recruit people to come to play in NWSL. When, when MWSL was the only league, it was easy. Hey, you want to get paid to play soccer? Come here. But, you know, you, you see the, the Super League in Europe, uh, all the Australian players are going back to Australia. Like, it's going to be harder and harder to compete on the global market when you play on an opposite calendar. So it's just a decision that, you know, USL is going to have to make in the long run of do we align, create like the boon, like a Bundesliga type schedule where you have a longer winter break. Um, and, and maybe that allows for more international players to get involved because they're going to be willing to play in the United States, knowing that they're also going to be playing with their national teams. So someone mentioned in chat, uh, it was uh, GFM. What are this week's marquee matchups? Boy, we are sure glad that you asked. Because we have picked, just like last week, 10. Not one, not two, not three, not four. I'm not counting all that high, because mainly because I can't. Uh, 10 matchups for us uh, to predict, which last week, Geo uh, was our big winner with nine 
uh, with nine points total, which we said, which I kind of mentioned, it's of course it's the guy who doesn't know much about the championship that gets it all right. It's just like the one time that my, you know, my ex-girlfriend absolutely slaughtered me in the, in the matchup or like the NCAA tournament because well, of course, a 16 seed is never going to beat a one seed. Why would that happen? Because dogs are cool. Of course, that will never happen. Boy, am I a fool. Um, <laughs> um, Geo killed it, and our good friend Phil talks footy, but apparently doesn't know it as well as Geo had seven points. Okay. <laughs> two point. Two point gap. Wow. All right. I see how I see how it is. This All is right. before I absolutely get massacred this week. <laughs> but let's go ahead and make the rounds. First one up is Atlanta United 2 versus the Baby Bulls, which is happening tomorrow night. Uh, Ryan. I'm picking Atlanta United 2. I think what they benefit for is that they have a bye week. Basically, they're not playing on the weekend, and this is their one match until they basically return back next Wednesday. So I think they go out for it. And I, again, I don't think the New York Red Bulls 2 looked as strong as they did against the Miami FC, so I'm backing two United. All right, Alan. I picked Atlanta United uh, as Atlanta United two as well, only because they're at home. I think, like in a matchup like this, I'm just going to take the home team. Also, by the way, uh, NYC update: NYCFC is like trying to throw this game away. <laughs> uh, oh. Spoiler alerts: It's four two. It's the history of MLS and Champions League. <laughs> This is MLS heritage. Um, yeah, I, I picked Atlanta as well because um, I think they just they just showed more against Lou City than than Baby Bulls did against uh, against Miami for me. And so, yeah, I think I think United's got got more going on. So, I also picked ATL. Uh, their talent is just better. Um, at least it's more known talent, in my opinion. Next one is area code uh, 901 versus the Oakland Roots. Reverse order, Phil. 901, I, I think they were a little unlucky um, against against Pittsburgh. I think they, they showed some some promising signs. So, yeah, I think they bounced back with a win against a, a Roots team that is, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're quite, they're quite there this season. Allen? Yeah, I also picked 901. I think this is a, a fun inter interleague matchup. Uh, we're gonna get a, like one of these every week, I think, or so. Uh, I think it's a good matchup for 901, uh, and I think they're hungry to to prove some people uh, wrong after a, a a pretty interesting match last week. Ryan, I'll still go back with uh, backing Memphis. Uh, like Phil said, I think they were just unlucky against Pittsburgh. Had they not got the red card, the match may have been a bit different. And I just think Oakland was dealt a really tough hand with two basically of one of their longest road trips of the year in consecutive games. So I think there's going to be a little of attrition there. And the fact that they only had one shot in the first match against RGV doesn't really bode well, especially for a Memphis team that should be offensively a lot better. So I'm picking them to win. I also picked 901. Um, AutoZone Park, uh, I was reminded because of, uh, I think, Still Army posted on Twitter about how uh, their GM said that AutoZone Park was one of the nicest parks or nicest stadiums in the USL. Um, made that comment. And I was reminded of that. And that got me a nice little giggle. 
um, that, <laughs> that basically that it would intimidate anybody. But that said, I mean, that field, that pitch, I know baseball fields are crazy, but I feel like there is a different kind of home field advantage for 901. I don't know what's so different about AutoZone than every other baseball field, but there feels like there is something different with that pitch. And I don't know what it is, but I also picked area code. Um, next up is Lou City versus the trademark Miami FC. Alan, you're first. Uh, I think this is like the first of the really big uh, marquee matchups. Uh, it's a up and coming the I shouldn't say up and coming the the Miami. It's a team that says they want to be a championship quality team coming into Louisville. Uh, I pick Lou City or Louisville. Uh, just because again they're at home, I think if it's like Miami, I think I would favor Miami. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Louisville. <laughs> Ryan, I picked Louisville as well. I think, I think after we run through all our picks, there will be an interesting uh, discussion to be had because I think Miami will keep it a very close game, but Louisville at home is just a really difficult team to beat and. Uh, Miami, I think we'll get there in time, but Louisville just has it more put together right now. So I think it'll be close, and Louisville may very well just escape out of here with another game. They looked good against Atlanta, but I think it'll be a close game. Bill? I I picked Miami to to pull off the upset in in Lynn family and I think I think it's it's all about like I think it will be extremely close. I think both teams are gonna have their chances, but I think uh I think Murphy grabs his first goal for Miami as the winner. Um and shocks shocks Lynn. I, I I don't think that's a bad pick. I look this one is difficult. I went loose city purely because they're at home. But listen, whenever they go down to human Miami later this year, that's going to be something. Um, I think we have no you, that that is our first disagreement of this whole thing. So far, we've all been agreeing on almost everything, which is really worrying. And something <laughs> tells me that that's not going to change after this. The Rowdies versus some some old friends in the in the eleven. This is my lock of the week. I picked Tampa Bay. I need to see a lot more from Indy eleven. And much like Louisville, Outlang is a difficult place to go down and play against. And Indy also, uh, like much like Oakland, had two road games to start the year. I think Tampa Bay gets the job done. Alan? Yeah, I think maybe if this was a little bit later in the season, uh, I would give uh, the fighting Mark Lowry's a chance here to do, do some damage. I, I just think it's too early for Indy 11 to to put up, especially after last week against Loudon. So unless they show something pretty spectacular, I think uh, this is Tampa Bay's to lose. Uh, I, this was also my lock of the week. Phil? Yeah, if Indy had resembled anything that we've seen from a Lowry side the last three years, I think we'd all be maybe saying like, hey, maybe they make it out of there with a draw. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see anything but a but a Rowdies win this weekend. Yeah, it, it to me, it's the Rowdies. Granted, Mike Lowry may pull another rabbit out of the hat. Um, that wouldn't shock me, but... Uh, t- we'll see. I would. He would truly make me a believer if they can come out of Al. Or no, they're not now Lang. They're in Indy, aren't they? No, they're on the road still. I think they actually start with a third. I think they have a third road game after this before they. It's not April. It's not until April that they're in Indy. 
That yeah, sucks. next week, and it's the uh, proximity contest. Mm. All right, and then we have first real big rivalry of the year, unless I missed something and somebody has a beef with each other that I completely missed, but I don't think I did. Um, El Paso versus New Mexico. Um, let's just go ahead and start with you, Phil. You have the hat on. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. No, and and I think uh, I think you know New Mexico started with a win. El Paso started with a loss, but I think um, the New Mexico's result against Lights, I don't put as much credence in as the way that the way that El Paso played against Sac Republic. Um, and I really do like the matchup of New Mexico playing with a back three. Um, with with wingbacks that get high up the field, with Francois and Sanupe, the wingers getting in behind um, and running at a back three. I really, I, I love uh, the the potential uh, whatever matchups there. So, yeah, I think I think El Paso take advantage of the home field in their home opener this year and uh, and dispatch their rivals. Although I do think it will be, um, I think it'll be a close one because um, it, it seems like it always is. Sir Allen. Yeah, I almost want to withdraw on this one for that very reason that I think these two teams play each other close regardless of form um, that they're in. Uh, this is a fun one. I didn't realize that they didn't like each other. I thought they were besties. Um, so this was a shock to me. This was a rivalry game. Um, <laughs> I, I picked I picked El Paso. I just think right now I think they're just a little bit ahead. Like like I said, I think if it was later in the in the season, maybe this is a different result. Uh, but you know, I, I have to trust that Phil says El Paso is playing really well. Um, I don't disagree. Uh, I think you know the Sacramento goals came late, so that three-one looks a little bit more lopsided, right? You go for a win toward the end on the road, or at least a draw on the road, and opens up, and then you got guys taking advantage of that. Uh, so I picked El Paso. I, Ryan, I, I backed El Paso as well. I think they got incredibly unlucky against Sacramento and. Uh, I think they take the opportunity to try and rebound and find more goals this weekend against New Mexico. I do think it'll be a high-scoring affair. These are two really good offensive powerhouse teams, but I'll I'll pick El Paso to get a victory in the end. I picked a draw, but I was hedging New Mexico. I I really liked what I saw. Then just New pick Mexico. New Mexico. Get off the That's fence and pick a, pick a team, <laughs> Taylor. did in our picks in our group chat. Yeah, you yeah, picked yeah, New Mexico. Yeah. Okay, sure. Hey, listen, that one draw, uh, I picked Legion and Rowdies to be a draw. So, I mean, look, I mean, it's fine. Sometimes I just know things. But I really was. I mean, I, I typed out that one section whenever I was giving the predictions, whenever we put them into our little chat. And I wrote New Mexico, erased it, put a draw. Erase it, put New Mexico. I safely, I'm putting draw, but I really do think that New Mexico has a real chance here just because. And I know this is me being biased, but this is almost being biased in the opposite way. I think that New Mexico will actually utilize Nico Brett um, in a way that Legion didn't. And I think that we're going to. Fine, I'm being I'm being cyberbullied. Fine, I'll pick New Mexico. <laughs> Fine. I think uh, the only other the only other reason just to throw this out there is that I thought New Mexico would with their weapons like I I really thought they'd create more against lights and they were dominant like and it was fairly easy for them. 
but both of their goals come from set pieces. And I really thought that they would like create more from open play. So just a, just a thought, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be a close game. It, it always is. Um, next up is I have lost it. It is orange County versus Rio Grande. I don't know. A lot of us in this picks were fairly confident on Orange County, but after seeing what RGV did this week, they may very well surprise a few people here. Regardless, I still picked OC. It's the home opener for the champions. They need to put on a good display, and I think they get the job done. I think with everything we said about RGV, it was contingent on being in at home. Um, it'll be interesting to see what this squad looks like because when rgv has that dark hole the the bermuda triangle if you will uh when they go on the road they didn't look great uh and then to mika's comment about two seven and two so a draw isn't crazy to predict that's why i was cyber bullying kaylor into picking a new mexico win because if it was a draw and he was right uh he would get a point so i was trying to move him off of it to make it uh a little <laughs> bit less likely uh that he sneaks a draw in again and gets a point on us where did I find I saw oh. a draw, somebody picked draw for this, and I have no idea. Oh, it was Geo. I was reading Geo's predictions and I thought they were mine. And I was like, I know I just read draw. I, apparently I'm just trying to take credit for the reigning uh champion right now. I knew oh, I but, wasn't going completely crazy. But by, by the way, I don't think I said I pick I'm picking Orange County. Happy Andy. <laughs> Phil. I- I picked Orange County too. I think uh, for the same, a lot of the same reasons Alan did. I think RGV are best at home, and yeah, going to California, I don't think they're going to be strong enough to come away with anything. I also picked picked Orange County first match uh, at home, defending champions uh, all time, or I think they just set a record for season ticket sales. That place is going to be electric. Um, yeah, I picked Orange County for that. Um, we got the loyal versus Sac Republic. Um, we got a loyal fan in the house, Alan. Um, so first off, I think we've been internally debating whether it's the loyal or just loyal. My the personal preference is just taken. loyal. Like, I don't want to be the Miami FC. Just no, they're but... the that that's different. It's <laughs> the Miami FC. Uh, so. Uh, I am seeing a little bit older San Diego here where uh, lots of possession, lots of buildup, some pretty good looks. They get the ball in the dangerous areas, but then they can't put the ball in the net. Um, they probably could have had three or four in this one uh, against Los Dos, um, but I think Sacramento is a tough team. I can't bring myself to choose Sacramento, and so I won't. I think uh, yesterday I picked a 2-1 win, uh, but I think that's with my heart but I think my head, I'm going to go for a draw just because I can't I can't pick Sacramento to win. I just can't do it. I think I'm I'm in the Kaler camp this week. Boo. Ryan. I picked a draw as well. I think both teams played a very strong opening Boo. game. <laughs> I don't have a team in USL right now, so I can pick whoever I want. But I picked a draw with them. I think both teams played a very strong opening match for the first weekend, and I think it'll be a really tricky contest for both, but a draw. Phil? Um, I think Sac Republic learned a lot about themselves this past weekend, so I think they get the win um, against Loyal. I think they worked out some kinks in the second half, and I'd 
back them to i mean douglas martinez i think is going to grab a bunch of goals this season too so just uh yeah i think they ride that wave to a win something about the loyal just brought me to them i picked the loyal and i looked at the result and i watched both matches from beginning to end and i don't know why i picked the loyal I have no real rationale. There was just something that said the Loyal are going to win, which means Sac Republic's probably going to win by seven. Sorry, Alan. Um, <laughs> I'm usually not really good about going with the gut. That's not a good thing for me. But, yeah, I picked the Loyal. Um, I talked about this one earlier. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and give my pick because I spoiled it earlier. But it is the Battery versus Detroit City. I picked Detroit City. I think they get a win. Uh, Ryan. I backed a draw for this one. I think it just goes back down to that teams, uh, just they expansion teams tend to struggle in their opening match. We saw that that they had a close game against San Antonio, but that tends to extend out a bit further or past their games. And I think Detroit, though, is a, a solid enough team. We spoke about it at length on this episode, but I think they get a draw in their first game. Charleston, it, it may very well just be like one-to-one. Um, let's see, Alan. Yeah, I'm picking Charleston. I know I picked them last year as doing well, and then they didn't. So I would like have a little bit of a burn there. Uh, but I thought, you know, their ability to counterattack and the speed that they have, uh, I think maybe they take advantage of Detroit City pressing too much to win at home for the first match. And so I think maybe Charleston can can sneak some sneak some goals in on a counter uh, and put some more pressure on them, which then opens them up further. Um, I'm going to, I saw a lot of Detroit city. So like, I know I'm down a point to geo. So this is kind of be one of my, like, I'm going to take a little bit of a dark horse here, um, and, and pick Charleston. Phil, are we calling Charleston a dark horse? I, I thought I was picking an upset by picking Detroit city. And then we ended up, I guess, like consensus was saying Detroit. I, I, I was back in Detroit in this one. Um, I think the, the energy in the stadium will be will be next level but i also i also really was encouraged by what i saw from from them against san antonio and that is a tough that's a tough place to go um and i thought they acquitted themselves quite well so i think in in friendlier in friendlier confines i think they'll they'll be better off plus i as a little plug this will be my my first trip to keyworth and i'll be taking this match in live so i'm excited to to see it in person yeah um well, give us an update. Tell us how that is. Um, next up is Legion versus Tulsa. Uh, let's start with Ryan. I went with Birmingham on this one. Uh, they got a draw outside of uh, that really good goal versus Tampa Bay, but uh, I think uh, they end up taking another result here as Tulsa continues to confound us on uh, just their early season start. Alan? I picked, I felt pressured into picking this because I didn't want to pick against Kaler. Uh, but I think Birmingham, uh, again, just going kind of going with the home team uh, here, I think it gives them a little bit of an edge. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty fun matchup to see kind of where these two teams actually are. Uh, I thought Birmingham played pretty well against Tampa Bay. This is a, an opportunity for them to like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to beat teams uh, at home and we're going to beat them handily. Uh, but then again, I think Tulsa has a chance to going in there and making it a, a pretty good, pretty fun match. 
Uh, but I think Legion have enough to, to tip the balance to this one, uh, especially the home crowd behind them. Uh, Phil? Yeah, what's that? What's it, Alan? You reminded me. What's that saying? Uh, what interests my boss fascinates the hell out of me. So <laughs> I picked Legion as well. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I do. I was encouraged by the way that Legion played against Tampa Bay because we know. I mean, we know the quality of that of that rowdy squad. So um, I thought they, I thought they did really well. And I'm surprised that we've made it this far, Kaler, and you haven't mentioned the Marlon goal. Like what a what a strike um and if it doesn't win goal of the week then the competition's rigged um so anyways it was it was fine and someone from new mexico is probably gonna win yeah with a whatever a poorly defended header down into the ground i don't even get me started on that i can't even believe it (laughs) i saw one i saw one tweet from phil if you missed it basically uh, I'm almost agreeing with you that New Mexico has it in their contract that they have to get at least one save or goal of the week. It's in there every week, yeah. every week. Um, sometimes I think it's just to get the interactions up. I think that the Twitter, the Twitter interactions are a little low and they're just like, Oh, well, can we get them up? Ah, New Mexico fans. Um, <laughs> sorry. New it's why fans. it's why power. It's, it's why the power rankings are essentially Nicholas Murray trolling the entire USL community. Like he does that <laughs> on purpose. Like he does stuff on purpose just to rile people up. Like, and I love every minute. I used to be like, ah, oh, this is dumb. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's like week after week of just quality trolling. <laughs> League uh, sanctioned trolling. <laughs> I mean, listen, we were advocating for GM, you know, violence basically. Basically, just GMs to it's come true. out and wreak havoc. If we're here for Nicholas Murray trolling, I mean, it's fine. I'm cool with it. Um, I also picked Legion here. Um, the main reason for me is honestly, I was much higher on Legion winning this match before I watched the Rowdies match. The Legion completely shut down the Rowdies midfield, which you can argue is one of the best, if not the best, in the USL. You can make that a legitimate argument. And they shut down that they shut down their midfield, but they let Mackie Jop go too far or just let him sit on an island and we could not put any pressure in on the box. I don't think we had a single shot in the box all match long. Um that worries me. And Tulsa also has a really good defense. I almost picked a draw here, but I think that the Legion defense is just better than the Tulsa uh, offense, especially because uh, DaCosta's out right now too, right? Because of the red card? Yep. So, hey, we might see the first match that uh, J.J. Williams has against his own club. So that could be something in the works. Uh, much love to you, J.J. You're not going to see this maybe, I don't think. But, hey, I love you, guy. I hope the newborn's well. Um, for the final is Pitt versus Hartford. I picked Pittsburgh on this one. I think Hartford's coming off the, had the short straw of having the bye week the first week. That does help them with getting fitness up and training, but I think Pittsburgh at home, they just know how to dominate at high mark, and I get, I think they get the result here. Alan? This one was tough because we haven't seen Hartford play any real games. Like, they didn't play week one. Um, and so I'm just going with, uh, Bob Lilly is going to win games at home, so I'm going to go with Lilly Ball for the win. Yeah, same rationale. When in doubt, Bob Lilly. 
Yeah, I picked this was my lock of the week. Um, Hartford, you know how I said with Detroit City, you pick them until they give you a reason not to. Hartford's kind of my you pick against them until they give you a reason not to. And I feel like that's harsh because I like the Hartford fans. I love Hartford fans. I've had great interactions with them. I wish that their ownership loved the team as much as they do. So they just haven't. I mean, they just, yeah, they haven't been that good. Um, So, yeah, I think. And plus, like, I mean, Pittsburgh had this like this run through of navigating like a tough fixture against Memphis. So I think that is going to serve them well and they're going to come in like fresh into this match. And yeah, Hartford starting cold against one of the, you know, most organized and best teams in the East is probably one of the worst matchups for your first game. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty much it for this week. Um, Lots of great stuff to talk about. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you do, if you do, if you do want some more USL content, tomorrow the first episode of Kit Season is dropping. Um, I've already watched it with uh, Brett, Reagan, and Fox. They went through Loose City, uh, Monterey Bay, I think Phoenix. No, they did Hartford. I can't remember all of them. They did like six kits. And it's about 45 minutes long, so you're just going to have to sit down, grab some popcorn, and watch it. But let me tell you, I watched all 45 minutes of it, and I was thoroughly just entertained the entire time. It's, it's just some fellas hanging out, having a good old time. I think you'll like it, too. They have some hot takes in there, so get in their, get in their DMs like you like to get in mine. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going, you guys are going to enjoy that. On Thursday, Phil Talks Footy uh, hops on the short show. Uh, Phil, he's going to be hopping on on this channel, and we're going to have a good old time. Uh, I'm very excited to see what he has to say, uh, previewing some matches, talking about his upcoming trip to Detroit City and whatever he gets heckled about in the chat because that's bound to happen. And on Friday, our first episode of this new series as well of Away Days is dropping. Uh, Trailheads, uh, the supporters group of uh, the Colorado switchbacks. They did a wonderful video uh, getting a bunch of video for us from their opening match. Let me tell you, is it Werner or is it, it is Werner field, right? That's how you pronounce it. Widener, Widener, Widener field. Um, I think, yeah, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. And they took a, the stuff as they shot for it, their St. Patty's day parade that they took a video of. I want to go to Colorado Springs so back it so bad. It is only about 10 minutes long. Please watch it. It's wonderful stuff and go give some love to Trailheads. But all this content is coming out. There's not going to be a single day except for Saturday and Sunday that we don't have something coming out. So if you want more of the USL show content, A, follow these guys on Twitter. Their handles are in the bottom left corner. And check out our YouTube channel. They have a lot of cool stuff coming out. So uh, without a further ado, let's get some final words in. Ryan. To make this a bit non-soccer related, uh, the NCAA tournaments this week, and I'm looking forward to having that back. Uh, I've been going through my bracket a bit, and I'm just interested to see where Kansas breaks my heart this year. <laughs> Alan. I'm not sure what this sport you're talking about is. What is, what is going on? 
basketball. Oh, okay. Um, is that? <laughs> you can never thing? tell if Alan is trolling. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> how do you think my students feel? It's great. Uh, ran, uh, random. I don't really have any thoughts. It's almost spring break, so my brain is done. We have our band festival on Thursday. Uh, and Good so luck. getting the kids to play inside for the first time, they realized how loud they were playing, especially the drummers. And I was like, guys, you don't have to murder the drum. Thank you. So I'm excited uh, for the students to get a chance to perform. Um, and so I am at my wits end. Can't wait for some time away from children. Fair enough. Phil. I uh, like it. Like I mentioned, I'm just, I'm excited to, to go up to Keyworth and, and see Detroit city in person, like see Northern guard, all that, all that, you know, sp spooky, scary stuff uh, that is so, uh, <laughs> uh you know whatever haunting out there and i'm i'm excited because it it gives me my first uh whatever usl double header where i'm gonna watch a match live and then come home and watch locomotive um afterwards so yeah just uh very i'm taking it fully back to soccer where basically that's my my whole saturday is is just usl so i'm yeah looking forward to that um last thing for me i mentioned it during the during the broadcast already um, I hate the Cincinnati Reds right now. I've loved them for my entire life, but please, for the love of God, trade Joey Votto. He doesn't deserve this. Um, it would hurt to see him in another uniform, but it hurts to see anybody in a Reds uniform right now. If he goes to the Cubs, I, I'm <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be the worst day of my life. Um, the only thing that would be worse than him going to the Cubs would be their. The Pirates Most, or the Cardinals, basically that, the NL Central. Yeah, or if he get if he gets yeah. traded to Georgia, they becomes the head football coach and then beats Alabama in a bowl game. I think that would <laughs> be your worst case scenario. No, I would much rather be beaten by Joey Votto than Kirby Smart, mainly because I really want to. Like Kirby Smart has a very like punchable face. He could totally kill me. I would punch him and he would snap my neck. I don't doubt that. But I'm afraid of Joey Votto. He mops for fun, and who does that? Um, read that uh, on the Athletic. That's a really good article. But basically, I just I sell the team, Bob. They just got rid of three of our best players for literal nothing, and you can't even say they were good prospects. They just wanted to dump salary. They just wanted to dump salary, which is what the whole CBA was supposed to be fighting against. What was the lockout for? <sighs> okay, I have a lot of I need a, some self-discovery time when it comes to hey, baseball. Hey, hey Kaler. <laughs> hey Kaler. Uh, I heard Eric Hosmer is available. You might be interested in an in Eric Hosmer. Didn't Todd Tease just like break his wrist too? Yeah, on a, like motorcycling, I believe. <laughs> That's the rumor was they asked him like when like when did you break your arm or motorcycling is like which time? I'm like, ooh, yeah. Maybe it's time uh, to like contractually obligate him to not ride motorcycles. You know, one of the faces of baseball probably should take better care of his wrists. Uh, well, that, that, yeah, well, <sighs> lots to talk about when it comes to MLB. I feel like this might be the first time I don't watch a single Reds game all year, uh, in a very, very long time, but I'm fed up. Um, but, you know what? That's okay because we have we have USL on tomorrow. 
with ATL2 versus the Baby Bulls and another packed weekend ahead of us. And that's it for the SL show. Thank you guys so, so much for watching. And let's uh, end this thing with Alan's oh-so-beautiful voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.